It's time for the 3304 Sports B-Rider Podcast. This edition's host, Dan Steinbeck, will be joined by Wyatt Krieger, Ryan Wilkes, and Sam Elvis, who cover Virginia Tech baseball for 3304 Sports. Welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast, Beat Writer Edition. I'm your host, Dan Steinbach. In this edition of our Beat Writer Focus Series, we are joined by Wyatt Krieger, Ryan Wilkes, and Sam Alves, who cover Virginia Tech baseball for 3304 Sports. This is our second Beat Writer Edition uh, episode on baseball. We did one earlier in the year with Wyatt and Ryan. You can go check that out on Spotify and Anchor. Um, but this is going to be a very different tone of an episode because Ryan and Wyatt, if you guys remember when we were talking about that, Virginia Tech baseball was kind of riding a high. It, they were only two ACC series into the season. Uh, and they were, things were looking great. They were ranked, um, uh, I think, as highly ranked as they got this season, was 15th in certain polls. Uh, some other polls, I think, had them around the top 10. Um, but, but definitely a different feel for this team from the beginning of the season now to the end. Uh, season over, ACC tournament's over. They missed NCAA tournament. Uh, they finished with a record of 27 and 25, uh, 16 and 20 in the ACC, uh, 12th in the conference. And then in the ACC tournament in their pool, they lost both of their games, two to three to Virginia and zero to eight to Notre Dame. So I want to start with Ryan here because Ryan's going to kind of give us a breakdown here of the season as a whole and really focusing on some series um, that since that first podcast we did really highlighted the highs of this team, but also definitely the lows of this team. And there were certainly a lot of lows. Uh, so Ryan, I'm going to throw it over to you. What would you say, just what kind of happened this second uh, real half of the season? And what are some series that we should really be looking at as to what this team's potential is, but also what really uh, plagued them this season? Yeah, I don't think the answer is all that complicated. I think they just basically stopped hitting the ball. And the starting pitching actually, I believe, was pretty solid. Um, and that wasn't the issue. And the bullpen obviously had their struggles, but at times they were pretty good. And the offense just was not producing at the, at the clip that they were to start the season. And whether that's because of youth or just because of a slump, the slump lasted quite a long time, uh, starting kind of with that sweep at NC State where Tech went down uh, in kind of embarrassing fashion. Um, NC State beat them in a doubleheader, and then they beat them the game before that. So Tech kind of – the struggles kind of kicked off there, and then down the stretch with losses to Duke and stuff like that in the tournament, it was just not the end of the season that the, that the Hokies expected. But, again, to touch on that, they have a lot of youth. Uh, a lot of these guys are freshmen and sophomores, not that many seniors and juniors. And I think it's been kind of interesting to watch this team and see where they can improve. And it's basically just consistency. Um keeping up with what they started and being able to hit the ball like they did to start the year, because, you know, the hammer and Hokies, that wasn't really what I would call them in the second half of the season, because uh, the hammer made very few appearances down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of uh, how the end of the season went and just situational hitting and the Notre Dame game, the last game of the series, I think really touched on how tech could not just could not get runners off base. I mean, they had, 11 hits and only one run to show for it. I think they were three for 23 with runners on base and 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. So I just think that really highlighted their offensive struggles and how they just weren't able to get the runners home from second and third base. And that that game, they ended up losing seven to one, maybe 
but Notre Dame had the same amount of hits Tech had. They just uh, were, were hitting a lot better with runners in scoring position. Tech just couldn't get the guys off the base. Yeah, so Ryan, um, what are some of those series? I know you mentioned the NC State uh, series there. Would you say that that was Tech's worst series since our other podcast? Would you, or do you think that there's something else where those issues you mentioned were uh, more outright, uh, more apparent that really caused them to lose more games down the stretch? Yeah, I think that and the Duke series are probably the most excruciating because as Sam, we were talking about before the podcast started, they just, they could have easily swept that series, but it went the other way around because of their inability to get, uh, get guys across the plate to score. I mean, those games were one, two run games aside from the first game in which tech led at one point, but ended up losing 11 to six just because of some uh, pitching, pitching problems. But, you know, six runs for that team for tech is, seems like the most that they had in the second half of the season just because yeah. they've been able to put runs on the board and that, that just that just shows their struggles of hitting the ball and getting runners in because those two games after the first one the series opener against Duke could have gone either way and Tech just fell on the wrong side of it because of again they, they just struggled to hit the ball in the second half of the season and a pitching we knew was a bit of an issue uh, the bullpen w- was struggling we had a couple shaky performances uh, in the NC State series, a very um, unusual performance from Anthony Simonelli where he kind of got shelled in his in his appearance. But overall, he'd been outstanding all season. And the starting pitching had been solid. The, the bullpen we knew had some issues, but the offense didn't provide any help in the second half of the season. I think that's where the problems kind of stemmed. I had some stats, too, from those some, some of those series down the stretch against NC State. We had two out of three games where we scored three or less runs. Against UVA, we scored one run in two of the three games. Against Duke, we scored one run in two of the three games. And then we didn't score more than two runs in a single game against Notre Dame. It's like down the stretch of the ACC, you're just not going to win games scoring that few runs. You're just not. That Duke series was killer. Um, I think uh, Duke came into that series kind of needing to get some wins. They were on the outside looking in and they kind of used that series as a springboard. Um, I think they, they did win the ACC tournament. Um, but so in this, in the Duke series, game one, um, Duke won 11 to six. Uh, Tech was winning four to three into the eighth inning and gave up eight runs in the bottom of the eighth. Then in game two, they were, it was tied 1-1, and Duke scored three runs in the eighth. And then in game three, Tech was winning 1-0 in the eighth, and then um, Duke scored two runs to walk off in the ninth. So that's, to me, that was um, the backbreaker because mm-hmm. Tech was still, you know, Duke was in the bottom of, um, of their division, and they certainly – could have easily won the series. They're winning in the eighth and ninth inning of game one and three, and it was tied in the eighth inning of game two, and they lost all three games. Um, and so Duke kind of did what Tech needed to do, which is win some games, keep winning some games into the tournament, and then they end up winning the tournament. Um, that would be, I think, the nail in the coffin of the season in terms of um, – just a really, really, really tough um, 
series after being swept. Um, well, NC State then losing two of three. They won a three-game series against Toledo the weekend before, but that was a non-conference. Um, and they were hoping to get uh, Chris Gerard and um, Cade Hunter back in that Toledo series to prepare for the Duke series, and that just did not happen. Yeah, and I think like avoiding sweeps in some of those series too, just winning one game I think would have played mm-hmm. – a huge factor just down the stretch in terms of seeding in the ACC tournament and then possibly going on a run then. But like, like Ryan said, we could like in the beginning of the season, I feel like we were, the chef talked a lot about manufacturing runs and they played a lot of small ball and they were able to kind of get runs throughout the early on in the game. And then we just lost all ability to do that down the stretch of the season. Yeah. And I think with having this young team and having them come and experience highs right off the bat, like having them come in, win a series against a top 10 team, and then kind of beat up on your first few ACC opponents, they didn't really know what it felt like to be where we were to end the season. So I think that if we want to take a positive from the end of the season is now this team knows how to deal with success and how to deal with failure. And I know they didn't deal with it in the best fashion this year. You know, they lost a lot of games down the stretch, but at least now they have that experience in which they, you know, that struggles near the end of the season, they kind of lost some energy. Like just watching this team kind of saw the energy sucked out of them. Like I was down in, in Charlotte with uh, Jackson Didlake and we were watching them and they just kind of look lifeless at times. And I think that's just with, you know, having a young team, you know, having them experience the highs that they did so early on experiencing these lows kind of will serve them well going into next season because, you know, you, you give these guys a year of experience under their belt and we've seen what they're able to do. Uh, and we've also seen some of their struggles. So, you know, they're able to improve on that in the offseason. I think they're going to come back stronger and hopefully at full health so we can get guys like Kate Hunter back. Um, and this team, I think, will be a lot better off next year. Yeah, I also think uh, regardless of whether they won or lost down the stretch, just playing a full ACC schedule, most of the team had not even done that. No because they were either a true freshman or COVID freshman. Um, and if they're a sophomore, it was, what, two years ago that they played a full um, season. So, um, yes, uh, kind of experiencing the ups and downs. And it kind of didn't really happen up and down. It kind of happened uh, all the way up and then all the way down at once. Um, but just um, knowing what it feels like to play 50 um, college baseball games in one season straight um, will definitely serve them um, moving forward into next year. All right, guys, so very good points you bring all around. Uh, themes of, you know, not hitting the ball, not manufacturing runs is why it brought up. Um, just not hitting as well as they did early on. Was there a series after then? I know that they did have a couple of good wins somewhere in there. Um, was there a series where it looked like they had it all together and it made you feel uh, some semblance of confidence uh, going more down the stretch? I'll throw it back to Ryan uh, just to talk about their best series, perhaps in the second half. Um, yeah, well, what, what series really had that good combination of better bullpen pitching uh, and good hitting? that really made it seem like th- there was no reason for them to have this bad stretch that they did. 
Uh, yeah, it's kind of really difficult in that second half of the season to find one that you're like, oh, this team's back. They figured it all out. But uh, it, it's kind of hard to put any weight into these non-conference series because obviously the teams are not as strong as in the ACC. But I thought Toledo could have given this team some confidence. I mean, they're they're hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, they had a, they had an exciting walk off. Uh, you know, I was thinking maybe this is a jolt they needed to push them through because, you know, sometimes like they say in basketball, you just got to see the ball go through the hoop. And I think at that point they – it kind of, you know, I thought they kind of maybe, you know, saw that glimpse of su- success and were going to be able to use that to push them forward. But then, you know, they turn around the next series and then get swept. So um, that is probably one of the only ones that I can think about in the second half of the season – um, I think on on the back end of the first half, uh, a series sweep against Pitt on the road, a team that was extremely hot, um, that was really a really solid win. But again, you know, we kind of like like Sam said, we kind of saw this team, team peak, and then they didn't. It wasn't a gradual fall to the bottom. It was like you know they fell off a cliff. Uh, so it's kind of hard to really figure one out for the second half of the season. But uh, I kind of saw that Toledo sweep as something that they could use just, you know, they had some success and they could use that to kind of build on, but that just didn't happen. I was pretty encouraged by the Georgia tech series. We were able to win a game out of one game out of three there. And now at the time tech was number one in the coastal. I think Georgia tech was either tied for first or in second. And we lose the first game 11 to 15. So we're scoring runs. And then we win the second game, seven to zero. Kate Swisher kind of had, had a, coming out party, which I think was another kind of big absence in the lineup throughout the bottom half of the year is he had that one game. He had three hits, four RBIs. I think it was like a career day for him. And we just didn't have that presence. He really, I just can't remember anything significant that he did the rest of the year. And like not having that presence in the bottom of the lineup, I think was huge, but I thought against the Georgia tech, who's a good ACC team. I thought we saw some encouraging signs in that season, but just kind of fell off from there. Really, I think uh, well. Circling back to that pit series, which was all the way back at the end of March, which was basically a, a completely different season for Tech. But um, they did sweep. Uh, they're coming off a series loss to Clemson, and that uh, game three, which was the rubber match, they I believe took the lead in the seventh or eighth, and then immediately gave it up and lost the game. They came back and sweep Pitt, and Pitt ended up being the second team out of the NCAA tournament, um, which is kind of uh, – so you can look back at that series loss as um, – or they can as, you know, a tough tough pill to swallow the way that uh, Tech season ended. Uh, Pitt had some COVID difficulties that kind of derailed their season. But then um, kind of we talked about going all the way up and then all the way down. That Wake Forest series – that was, I mean, Tech was in position to, like, post a regional at that point in the season. Yeah. Uh, like, it, like, it wasn't like they were scratching their way into the tournament. Like, they could have easily, um, if they just, I mean, they you could have easily just went to the tournament. They went 500 or even 400 the rest of the way. Um, but they swept Wake Forest. Um, that, that Wake Forest was um, not having a great season. Um, but they hit like 10 home runs in three games on the road. Um, and they were just steaming ahead through the season. Um, 
And and after that, it just completely fell off. They had that Georgia Tech series, NC State sweep, Virginia lost two of three, and Duke and Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever seen um, a team just completely fall off a cliff like that before. Right, and I kind of want to touch a bit on that UVA series because if Tech takes two out of three from the Cavaliers, I think we're talking about, you know, that's definitely the biggest series because that was a chance to, I mean, they, UVA and Tech were kind of in the same position at that point. They were both kind of neck and neck in the coastal and UVA wins that series. And then they have a huge, like, they win a bunch of games down the stretch. They beat Notre Dame in the, uh, in the ACC tournament. And that kind of puts them uh, like firmly in the NCAA tournament. I think, honestly, if Tech takes two out of three, I think that's, I think Tech's in that position. Um, but UVA were, was able to kind of uh, steal some momentum. That series was extremely exciting being there, number one, as a writer. Um, and then just seeing the atmosphere there, seeing the line outside English field, even though, you know, Tech wasn't playing the best of baseball. Um, and, you know, UVA really grabbed that momentum and kind of ran with it. And I think if, you know, UVA just came in and dominated us with pitching and Anthony Simonelli uh, had one really good performance. And then the, the, the offensive struggles just really showed in that last game of the series. Tech just wasn't able to get runners in. And UVA took that game, and now they're in the position they are. And I think they can look back and think this that uh, the Virginia Tech series was a turning point. I think it very easily could have been for the Hokies. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, thank you for that. I want to fo shift focus now. Um, maybe not so much to results, but to the team as a whole. And I'm going to give this segment here to Wyatt Krieger. Wyatt, just – Pretty simply, what was this team's strength and what was its weakness? Uh, we were talking earlier this year in our first episode on baseball. Uh, we were talking about how hot their bats were. Um, they cooled down during the stretch, but overall, what would you still say was the strength of this team and what was the weakness that they'll have to work on in this offseason to better their record and hopefully make a run at the NCAA tournament next year? Yeah, so Ryan touched on it a little bit. I think the strength is def was definitely the starting pitching. Throughout the year, it was the most consistent part of this team, even without Chris Gerard. I think that is something that was huge, just not having him. I mean, he only started, what, eight games in, out of, I think, 13 that uh, like Simonelli started, guys that started every weekend. And just not having him, his like presence in the lineup, I think, was huge. Just because I've talked to guys like Kevin Madden, Nick Bittison, they say like when Chris Gerard takes the mound, it's there's just a different, different kind of feel of confidence because you know you're going to have a chance no matter what. But even without Chris Gerard, you had guys like Shane Connolly step up so big in so many different moments. Against UVA, he pitched, um, I think it was like two or three shutout innings in relief the night before and then started Sunday. And guys like Shane Connolly, there were, it was just a struggle with kind of, he, was string, he would string together a few bad pitches that teams were taking advantage of. But for the most part, he was nails for the Hokies. He was, he was really, really good at getting guys out, getting through innings. Uh, even guys like Peyton Alford, he led the team in strikeouts this year. He had 91 strikeouts. Um, he was a guy that got hit a lot, but still, like he, we we knew what we were going to get out of our starters. So, kind of having that like presence of and kind of somewhat consistency in the starting pitching, I think, was definitely a strength. And 
Uh, weakness has got to be the got to be the bats. It's got to be the bats and just not being consistent enough. I mean, Chef talked about it um, a lot after the UVA series. He said, if if, if we're not playing consistent baseball, um, we're going to end up watching at the end of the year, and that's what happened because it was a lot of it was a lot of bullpen issues would come when the bats were were the bats were alive, so we were scoring runs, and then the bullpen would give up a bunch, and then it was uh, when our bullpen. Uh, was playing well we just couldn't get hits down the stretch of games and late in games we couldn't get runs across the plate so uh, being consistent I think is huge there were also a lot of issues just with fielding making simple plays uh, against the Duke series Chris Gerard came in he had, he had like 120 pitches I couldn't believe he came back out for the ninth um, pitched eight shutout innings first first at bat is an easy grounder to uh, Nick Bittison and he just boots the boots the ball messes up that play uh the next the next at bat is a bunt that they can't they can't even get the out at first and then before before they knew it the bases were loaded with no outs and um but when Gerard came out of that game I think we all knew what was going to happen there and they get two singles and take that take that game so that we talked about a little bit but that was a I think a defining moment for this team just because of how well Gerard had pitched we'd only scored one run we were still easily in a position to win the game and then kind of defensive errors in the bullpen uh, caught up to us. So, like I said, building that kind of consistency, um, we were able to cover up a lot of those issues in the early season by being able to manufacture runs. And then when that uh, left the team, we really just fell apart like we saw down the stretch. I mean, to be fair, they were pretty consistent down the stretch. Um, yeah. Just really poor. <laughs> yeah. It was because, uh, yeah, uh, I remember – trying to uh, sneaking that into an article or two like oh um john chef's been uh, looking for consistency from his team well he got it they scored one run again <laughs> and they lost yep. or the bullpen came in and they didn't have it they lost um i think also just like a lack of depth um shane i think um kind of chris gerard's injury um while it didn't necessarily sink the team in terms of they didn't have a, a starter to replace him because Conley was uh, capable and um, his first couple of starts and his last couple were really good. Um, but just taking him out of the bullpen, yeah. um, that I think was the biggest um, uh, thing that hurt um, Tech from that Chris Gerard injury was just he was their premium arm out of the bullpen and there was a pretty steep drop off um, after him. Uh, and he, like that um, a UVA, a UVA game in the tournament, he came out of the bullpen and pitched five, five scoreless innings of one run or one hit. Um, like that's what he could do out of the bullpen. He could close um, and then just taking him and putting him on the, as a starter for uh, a month or so. That was just really um, brutal. So Connolly's going to be gone after next year, right? I know Jason Hurd's going to be gone. Did Connolly graduate? Is he is he going to be? He's a he's a junior. Um, okay. So as, as long as we back. get some guys back, yeah, like guys like Graham Ferrovid, who I thought showed mm -hmm. some flashes, but right overall, it just the bullpen. Fans were getting mad. Like when I was live tweeting games, fans were were tweeting at me. I think it was during the NC State series when we had blown our our lead. Uh, fans were like, "We need like this bullpen is just." It's, it's hard to watch. Like, I know, like, fans were just saying, like, we know when our bullpen gets a chance, like, we're just going to blow it. And, and uh, Chef, he, um, he definitely emphasized 
more towards the beginning of the year, which is kind of ironic because they were doing uh, well. But he, he kept talking about how um, developing um, the young players, especially the pitching, was going to be a challenge because, um, like we said before, either you're a true freshman and you've never played a, a single college baseball game in your, in your life coming to the season and you've certainly never played a full season, or you're a COVID freshman um, slash retro freshman who's played at and uh, your team's played at most like 15 games the year prior. So he, he definitely, I'm also the, the true freshman not even having a high school season um, last year. So he definitely made that known that developing the uh, bullpen arm specifically was going to be, um, take some more time because they just haven't had that experience um, of even just pitching in any games, high school or otherwise in a year at least. I kind of wanted to ask you guys, kind of piggybacking off just the strengths and the weaknesses of the team. How much of this do you think falls on Chef just not being able to kind of build that consistency? Because it's like some of these issues you want to blame on being young and inexperienced, which I think you definitely can. And like the jury's still out on a lot of these guys um, after they get a full ACC offseason. But what do you guys kind of view? How do you guys view Chef after this? I think sometimes th- throughout the bottom or the second half of the season he kind of got inconsistent with his lineups he kind of kind of tried to get cute with it a little bit I would say and I think down the stretch of the ACC you kind of need to have a set order of guys and you need to have consistent contributors and we had those guys at the top of the lineup um throughout the season with, with TJ Rumfield Tanner Schobel was very consistent Gavin Cross and it it really just didn't hold in the bot in the second half of the lineup. Really, like those seven, eight, nine guys couldn't couldn't produce. I was yeah. definitely thinking um, something similar to that. And you talked about that Duke series in the ninth inning. Like, yes, uh, like fatigue and not being able, not having played a full season, can account for something. But it seemed like just fundamental yeah. plays and kind of just like concepts in terms of just this is how base simple baseball works trying to move runners um you know into scoring position and moving runners from scoring position home um somewhat like that uh falling off in the second half of the season just fundamentals is um that was definitely concerning talk about a weakness stealing bases was a weakness of this virginia tech team they could yeah they could not yeah. steal bases, and we would always we were always trying to steal bases. I feel like at the worst times too, you know, there were two outs, and it was just ending and end, ending innings, and just it's hard. It's hard. You gotta you gotta be able to get guys in scoring position. Yeah, I want to touch on uh, a cut like Wyatt. You're talking about a couple uh, managing decisions that Chef made uh, in the Notre Dame game. They took out arguably the hottest hitter in the lineup at the time. Uh, Nick Holisa, mm-hmm. and they took out Jack Hurley, which I can I can see why he wasn't playing great. But again, he's one of your at the beginning of the season. He's one of the better hitters on the team, and he did say in the press conference before that he was going to put the best lineup out there. And you've got guys like, I mean, Kate Swisher came in. Kate had a couple good games. Uh, Lucas Donlin showed some flashes, but then you take out uh, Nick Holisa and. I would say that's probably not the best lineup you can put out there. So I think that's interesting that uh, he's made a couple decisions like that. And I, I will also like to 
talk about Ryan Fecto a little bit because I feel like at times when we talk about the starting pitching being our one of our strengths, it seemed like the leash was relatively short on some of these guys because yeah. you'd have maybe guys going scoreless through four and a guy like Anthony Simonelli is going scoreless through four. He gives up a couple base hits, runners on first and second, one out. Fecto comes out and pulls them at times. And With the 2-0 count, too. Yeah, middle, exactly. of the, middle of the at-bat. And then you get to our bullpen and you look at the you look at the line at the end of the game and you see, okay, we had Anthony Simonelli cruising, gets into a bit of a jam, but then you get to guys like uh, Grant Farovid comes in, pitches two pitches uh, two thirds of an inning, and then you get you just get pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. Now I would understand that if we had a strong bullpen, and I'm happy we got to see guys like Jonah Herney at the end of the season. We got to see Samuel Rochard a little bit, guys that could be contributed. I think Jonah Herney was uh, one of our better bullpen arms late in the season, but being that our bullpen was one of our 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 weaker spots and having games where we go nine, 10 pitchers deep, it just didn't make all that much sense to me when the starting pitching was usually pretty solid, but guys would get pulled after getting into a jam or two. I just didn't quite understand the logic behind that. And we, we've been talking about that all season. So I think there can be a little bit to talk about there in terms of uh, guys getting pulled too early. And again, I'm not a pitching coach. I'm not uh, an expert at all, but just from my point of view, some of these guys might have been pulled a bit too early in some of these games. Definitely. All right. Thank you guys for that. Uh, I'm going to throw it now over to Sam. Sam was not with us um, on our first episode. And I just kind of want to wrap up today, focusing on some individual players. Uh, We've heard some names been thrown around today, but Sam, I want you to focus on two people in particular. I want to focus on uh, the season MVP for this tech baseball team and maybe an underclassman spotlight, you know, one of those up and coming, you know, this team was riddled with freshmen that got a lot of playing time. So one of those that uh, moving forward in these next couple of years, you expect to grow into something special. Um, And we were talking about this before the podcast. And so both of these players were consensus across the board from the three of you. So Sam, I want you to dive into those guys, dive into the kind of season they had. Um, And if anyone wants to chime in with some honorable mentions, go right ahead. But Sam, I'm going to throw it over to you. Yeah, so uh, I, I think one more uh, weakness that I just thought of was um, leadoff hitting. Yeah, I'm um, someone that can just get on base uh, because Jack Hurley was struggling to do that, um, and he and then once that happened, uh, like Wyatt said, the the uh, lineup was being shuffled almost every game, trying to find some sort of spark. Um, so. If someone can get on base at the top of the lineup, get cross up with some guys on, because there was a stretch um, that NC State series, he didn't have a single runner on base the entire series when he hit. Um, things like that, where he would just, it just kind of tank the lineup because, you know, uh, no one was getting on base. And then when someone would get on base that wasn't the leadoff hitter, they wouldn't get moved around because they couldn't play small ball. Um, but uh, like we met, like I just said, Gavin Cross, I think uh, we all agreed, um, team MVP. Um, he was a uh, freshman All-American last season in the shortened season, and he he uh, came back and was a All-ACC freshman 
and all ACC uh, first team uh, outfielder um, playing in right field primarily. Um, the first tech uh, freshman ever to be on the all ACC first team. Um, so uh, he was, he hit for the cycle against his dad's um, alma mater, which is pretty uh, crazy. And then he, um, at East Tennessee State, um, that was, I believe, Nick Bittison's first game back. Um, and then he had a, uh, I believe, three for four, two, uh, two RBI and a run and a steal in his uh, home game against East Tennessee State. But just um, you knew every time um, a new series would start, the other, the other team would be saying, all right, uh, Gavin Cross, <laughs> undisputed um, guy that we need to keep our eyes out on and not let him kill us. If they could limit, limit him, and they even did limit him some during the back half of the season. Um, he was hitting over 400 in midway through the season, and he ended up around 350, which is still um, very admirable. That is the guy that was going to be circled as, um, you know, the guy. Um, and once they limited him, the kind of rest of the lineup followed suit, as we saw. Um, as a, uh, he is an underclassman. He was a COVID freshman, um, as we like to call him. Um, but Tanner Schobel, as a true freshman, I would say under underclassman uh, star. Um, he was hitting leadoff, which is uh, crazy. Once uh, Hurley was kind of jettisoned and Bittison both from that role. Uh, he he had he's in for power. Um, he's getting on base, putting together good at bats. And, uh, you know, he had that two-run homer against UVA in the ACC tournament, uh, trying to spark the comeback. Then he singled in, I believe, the eighth inning um, to try and, you know, be the – he was the tying runner with Gavin Cross and Runfield hidden behind him. Um, but that didn't, you know, work out. But just, you know, being a true freshman, basically playing uh, – once he came in to the starting lineup around, a, I don't know, a month, month and a half in – um, I believe he was starting at, was he playing at second base? That was his first, uh, yeah, his entree into the starting lineup. Then he got moved over to shortstop. And then once he got moved over to shortstop, he just held that position down the rest of the way. Um, I think defensively, there's some room for improvement. Um, arm strength wise, uh, when you, you see Kevin Madden over to his right, firing over to first base and you see Tanner Schobel know trying his best you know maybe short hopping a couple but offensively a great start to his career and um Wyatt Wyatt wrote a great feature on him so he has has some more insight there as well yeah definitely someone who just he burst onto the scene and it looked like he he just didn't look like a true freshman uh the first few times I, I saw him play he didn't look like a true freshman he was one of the more consistent presences I would say um in the Hokies lineup throughout the year I'm really excited to see what he can do with a full off season under his belt um, and a full year of just seeing ACC pitching, I think he's going to get a lot better uh, as the years go forward. But I do like him a lot in that leadoff spot. Um, I think he provides better than anyone that ability to at least put balls in play and kind of make things happen. Um, whether it's just beating out like a chopper, a slow chopper to third or uh, hitting for power or hitting for uh, singles and, and doubles that he He's one of the more complete uh, offensive players, I would say, definitely 
on this Hokies team. And just kind of speaking off that is the one of the bigger reasons this team kind of fell off offensively is Jack Hurley. I mean, in the beginning of the year, in, in like the Notre Dame or not the Notre Dame, North Carolina series, it, he he provided just a lot of energy to that top half of the order. And strikeouts were always an issue. And Chef had talked about how how he needs it. He needs to kind of like put it all together. And you thought he would, you kind of would think he would figure those those sort of things out. But the strikeouts kind of got worse. He led the team with 64 strikeouts, and uh, the average was was getting worse and worse as the season went on. So hopefully he can fix some of those issues. Um, but again, these guys are really young. Uh, they didn't. They didn't have a guys like Jack Curley and Tanner Shovel didn't have a senior year of high school baseball, a senior season. So uh, still a lot of baseball to be played and a lot of experience still to be had for some of those guys. All right, thank you, uh, Sam and Wyatt. With that being said, I think that that is all that we have for today. If there's anything else that you guys want to chime in on, any other thoughts you guys have going into the offseason for this team. Uh, would it be I'll Coach Chef? Um, yeah, go for it, Sam. I think, uh, uh, you know, maybe placing second on team MVP, Anthony uh, Simonelli. Uh, he, he, he would, you know, team would lose in the first uh, game of a series. Uh, oftentimes, you know, they get crushed. Like they'd lose uh, game one EVA, like um, worst margin of defeat ever. Yeah. In that, uh, or uh, Georgia Tech 15 to 11. And it's like, all right, um, Simonelli's on the mound, and it'd be like you know Georgia Tech seven nothing shutout. He yeah. would he would he would just constantly be put in a place where you know put the team on your back, you know eat up some innings because game one about you know seven relievers came into the game, um, and he would just not only would he pitch um, very well, you know put his team in position to. Uh, have a good chance and game three he would um, at home you know be energizing the crowd um everyone knows uh he watched Simonelli pitch you know how he starting around the fourth or fifth inning that third out you know he's sprinting into the <laughs> um into the bullpen he's having another crowd I think that Wake Forest series he he uh he covered he was covering um first base you know or throwing you know it was a one three put out or a three one put out and he just took his momentum, just sprinted into the dugout and just jumped into it from the top step. Um, but he, he was definitely um, stable, uh, stabilizing presence as a player and energizing presence as a, you know, um, performer as an athlete that was, um, I think, you know, we can't come out of the season without giving some love to Anthony Simonelli and uh, chef the last game. He, uh, he said he, thinks that he had a he has a good pro career ahead of him so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what's up what happens with him down the stretch I I had Shane Connolly as a honorable mention for me just because um I don't think pitching wise he provided as much consistency and dominance as Simonelli did throughout the year but having a guy that can pitch three four innings of relief any given day and then also start the next day I think is pretty impressive and that doesn't happen a lot um and just having that guy be one of the more reliable arms for tech and hopefully he can be in the bullpen, but really he doesn't, he, he doesn't care where he is. And I think just his ability to get people out and not really like lose control of a game. Uh, I think that's something that has to be noticed uh, after this whole season. Mm -hmm. 
if you want something to look forward to as a tag baseball fan, if you, uh, you know, once some of these relievers can develop um, and chefs been high on a couple of them, Griffin Green and um, Graham Freervet, I'd say we're getting some shout outs throughout the year. You know, a couple of those guys being uh, in a couple of years as juniors, as Shane Conley is this year, um, he started a couple of years at uh, the Citadel before coming over. But you just see Shane Conley come out of the bullpen. I mean, he's a big guy and he's just, you know, throwing good stuff. And um, that's kind of what you hope some of these freshmen um, or sophomores to develop into because you can really just sense like the difference between him or someone else coming out of the bullpen. Um, just the way um, he looks and pitches. Um, that's something that, you know, best case scenario, the bullpen develops into. They have a lot of young guys. Um, so that's, uh, I would say that would be the goal. A bunch of Shane Conley's going out of the bullpen would be nice. Hopefully guys like Kevin Madden, Nick Bittison can, I, I think they're going to be coming out like, um, next year at least with something something to prove hopefully a chip on their mm -hmm. shoulder uh if you will just knowing how they started this year and then um how it ended i think like like we said just that experience of kind of seeing how um a full 50 game slate of a an acc schedule plays out uh that'll 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 do wonders for them down the road i think yeah i just uh, i guess my last thought would be um, John Sheff's last uh, press conference after that Notre Dame uh, eight nothing shutout in uh, the ACC tournament. He definitely sounded um, like someone who was, you know, obviously well aware of how the team ended their season, but also, you know, confident. You know, like kind of a quiet um, confident or confidence or understanding of you know what it's like to build up a program. I'm trying to find the exact quote, but he basically said, um, uh, he, he, he was saying he, as a coach, he thought, oh, maybe we can you know, skip some of these growing pains. Um, after the first, he talked about the first 60% of the season, they were winning, um, you know, they were doing very well before that, um, or up through that Wake Forest, um, series but that um you know there's some parts of you know building up a program that you can't just really skip over and i think you know that the, unfortunately that all came in you know six weeks worth of time and not mm -hmm. spread out throughout the season um but you know he talks about they made the acc tournament for the first time you know under his uh leadership that's like a good step um so and then the next step, obviously, would be, you know, maybe either making it into the knockout rounds, um, but then also, you know, obviously making it into the regionals. So he sounded like someone, um, he talked about, you know, they already have a plan of, you know, building up the program for next season, you know, building off of the strengths and improving on the weaknesses. So um, I think, um, going back to your earlier question, there is, I do have confidence um, in the coaching. Uh, we saw, you know, what can happen in the first half or so of the season, and we saw maybe more towards what was expected in the back half, which is kind of, you know, an, a little bit of a odd um, twist of the season. But I, um, you know, there's gonna they're gonna lose to some players in the draft, but overall, I think there's a lot of 
um, reason to be optimistic about what happened um, going into next season. Sure. Guys, I think that's a perfect note to end on talking about uh, just some of the things that they're looking to improve on and the momentum that they want to carry into the off season and, you know, training and off season practices, off season workouts, all that uh, sort of stuff. As we look forward to future seasons with this team, a team that showed potential uh, with a coach that uh, and a coaching staff that likes these players, wants to put them in position to succeed. And it's all just about how they improve from now on uh, and look to get uh, to NCAA tournaments and look to just play a complete season. That, that's what it comes down to because we, we see what they're capable of, certainly when they had that hot start. Um, but yeah, pl playing a complete season all the way through it really is kind of like baseball itself. It's like, you can't win games. If you don't play a complete nine innings, you can't have a good season. If you don't uh, win those games down the stretch as well. So with that being said, I want to thank Ryan Wilkes, Wyatt Krieger and Sam Alves for coming back uh, to do another episode of this baseball uh, edition of the 3304 sports beat writer podcast. You can check out our earlier one from March on Spotify and anchor, as well as other episodes of the beat writer podcast and general episodes of the 3304 sports podcast. Once again, thank you to Wyatt Krieger, Ryan Wilkes, and Sam Elvis for coming on to talk Virginia Tech baseball with me. I was, I have been your host, Dan Steinbach. I want to thank you all for listening. Have a great day and take care.